to us. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play. They get it. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you the final game recap podcast edition of the Drive Time Podcast and your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the Dolphins win to get to 9-8. and eight. That's right, it's our final Victory Monday edition, our edition of the Drive Time Podcast for the 2021 season. The Dolphins win 33-24 over the New England Patriots. We'll get that game broken down for you with the five takeaways, talk about some of the storylines I had coming in, and we'll also play a segment from the post-game show on 560 with myself, Seth Levitt, and OJ McDuffie. From somewhere in South Florida, this is... The Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. So it is a second win over the Patriots this season. That is the first sweep over the Patriots for the Dolphins since 2000. You might recall 2001 was Tom Brady's first year there in New England, and 2000 was Belichick's first year there with the New England Patriots when they were 5-11. and They then went 11-5 and and won the Super Bowl in that second season. So Miami gets their first sweep over the division rival in 21 years. They also secured their second consecutive winning season that ha- has not happened since the 02-03 seasons. And also the last time a team had consecutive winning seasons and did not qualify for the postseason in either of those two years was the 02-03 Dolphins. So you can look at that and say, wow, that's horrible luck for the Dolphins. Or you can look at that and say, right on the cusp, right on the fringe, and uh, kind of build some momentum here going into the offseason. But I want to talk about this game on this podcast and really get to the five takeaways here, hear from Coach Flores as well, as the Dolphins put a bow on another victory here and get to 9-8 and eight on the season to close things up. And I just finished watching the Chargers and Raiders game. I actually got home for the from the postgame show like middle of the third quarter and I got myself, I was eating some, some dinner before I came down to do the podcast and got myself sucked into the game and just kept watching it and kept watching it. And it, it felt like the NFL had like 20 tricks left in its bag. If the NFL was like a person that had a bag full of tricks and they had like 20 left with only a quarter to play in the season and was like, all right, empty it all out right here. Let's go ahead and make everything that possibly crazy can happen happen and it did and the Raiders get the victory with the last second field goal where if they miss they still go to the postseason what a crazy finish that was to the season just makes you appreciate and love this league and this sport that we all love so much especially when the Dolphins are victorious on a Sunday of course it will not result in a playoff appearance for the Miami Dolphins as they finish on the outside looking in but with a strong victory over their division rivals here to close the season. And a few of the things I was looking at here before we get into the takeaways and hear from head coach Brian Flores was I was curious to see how the Dolphins pressured Mac Jones and what the approach was defensively in this game, if it was going to be more coverage, if it was going to be more blitzing. We'll look at the numbers on the podcast tomorrow, but I thought there was a good mix and probably more coverage than I expected personally in terms of four-man rushes and kind of daring him to break the pocket and run and make plays with his legs. There was a couple of opportunities for him to do so. And I think on one of the instances, he hit up a big 30-yard pass or so. And there was another one where he had some room to run, tried to throw, and it fell incomplete. So Miami, I thought, did well to kind of 
force him to do some things that maybe he hadn't done a whole bunch this year rather than just heat him up and, and get those blitzes coming after him and let him get those quick hitters that he is so quick at processing and finding and, and hitting in rhythm and let that offense stay on the field for long periods of time. So I thought the Dolphins had a good plan and executed it that way against this rookie quarterback who's had a very strong rookie season. I was curious about the red zone. The Dolphins' first red zone possession, the Patriots score a touchdown. They would force a field goal on a later one. And then right on the doorstep of the red zone, the Patriots also fumbled a ball back there as well. I was curious to see about third downs and the length of those third downs if Miami could get to those exotic looks and that's a good part about this mixed game plan was they did have some instances of third and seven plus where they could dial up that pressure play that kind of off zero look where you can't really dial up the quick hitters and get yak because you have to find a way around those off cornerbacks Miami had a good mix of that as well I was also curious about Tua's last game of the season here and trying to get to three and oh all time in his career against the Patriots that's a good box to check First sweep since 2000 against the Patriots. That's a good box to check. And back-to-back winning seasons. You love to check that box as well. I wanted to play some audio here from head coach Brian Flores. And I was going to choose one or two, but the first three Q&As in his Sunday night post-game press conference, I was a big fan of. Let's just go ahead and go in order. Here's the first one when he was asked about how his team responded and how they came out and played in the game, which, of course, you knew had no playoff implications. And that was a question coach answered all week. And he said, hey, we're playing like it's a, another game. I mean, you get 17 of these opportunities. We're going to go out there and try to win it. Dolphins did, and they did. Here's Brian Flores. I'm just I'm proud of this team. I'm proud of the, their fight, their resiliency, their ability to deal and battle with adversity. Um, you know, we've had ups and downs, and you know, it's, it's, it's a year I'll certainly remember. But, yeah, very proud of this team. Coach was then asked a follow-up question, or not a follow-up question, just the next question in orders of the questions here about how much pride he took in the back-to-back winning seasons and mentioning he was the first one to do it since we mentioned 2003. Here's Brian Flores. Look, I mean, the credit goes to the, to the, to the players, coaches. I just, you know, I always, I'm always going to feel like and wish I, I could have done more. Um, and our guys, they work hard um, from the players, the coaches, but obviously our support staff, and uh, it's, it's, it's a special group. I'm, I'm happy and proud to be a part of it, and uh, you know, excited for, for for the way they played today. Um, proud of the way they played today, and really the second half of the season. So, here is the follow up to that first question when Coach was asked about in which ways have you grown and learned this year, like he mentioned in that first answer. Here's head coach Brian Flores. Uh, I mean, I think, uh, look, every year, um, every time you step out on the field, um, going to a meeting, uh, do a walkthrough, I think, you know, those experiences, I think you're learning every time you, you, you every day. Um, I try to improve every day. I try to uh, preach that to our players that that's, that's the goal, um, really in all areas, not just football, but you know, as husbands, as fathers, as sons, as really in every way. So um, I try to take those experiences and try to be better in every, you know, area of my life. So, uh, you know, specific to football, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's across the board. You know, from a leadership standpoint, from a um, preparation standpoint, from a scheduling standpoint, from a practice standpoint, from a walkthrough standpoint, I think you take all those, those things and say, hey, you know, what's the, 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 the right formula? But every year is different too. Different players, different uh, you know, situations. So, 
I think, you know, as I get time to reflect, kind of put it all together, there's so many variables in football. Uh, offense, defense, special team, scheduling, you know what I mean? I mean, it's just so many things, so many areas where you can learn. Uh, I try to be better in every one of those areas. So there you have head coach Brian Flores discussing this season-ending victory. The Dolphins close out the season with eight victories in their final nine games to finish eight and nine on the season. We're going to come back into the five takeaways, but real quick, a short break. We're back on the Sunday night slash Monday morning recap edition of the Drive Time Podcast. Dolphins win 33-24 over the Patriots in the season finale. And our first takeaway, it started early in the game. Jalen Waddell sets the record for receptions by a rookie receiver. He has four in the game. He needed three to get the record. So he winds up with 103 on the season for 1,015 yards and seven total touchdowns. He caught six of those, had the rushing touchdown against the New York Jets. So Waddle, I mean, what a great rookie season he had this year for himself. The number six pick in the draft. Dolphins go back to the 12th pick, go back up to the sixth pick, starting at the third to move around, get an additional first round draft pick and draft this explosive playmaker from Alabama. And he did not disappoint. And that was kind of a fun part of this early Part of the game plan was not just to get Waddle involved and to get him the football and to get him the record and to get him into the end zone to get the Dolphins offense cranking, which I think really set a tone for this game, especially after the Xavier Howard pick six to put them up 14 nothing early, which this Dolphins team sure can play with a lead. But the way they got there with Tua completing seven of his first seven passes for 54 yards and that touchdown pass with the Dolphins altering different formations and heavy looks and unbalanced looks and more receivers, more tight ends, more backs, varying Duke Johnson, varying Philip Lindsay, good mix of early down passing and some third and short runs that convert and move the chains and playing off of the, some of the looks we've seen all year long, like that little motion where Albert Wilson goes along the formation and then runs that little mini wheel route. And then Durham Smythe has the dash pass option into the flat and Tua has the potential zone read or keeper option. And then from there, they've unveiled some wrinkles and different looks like for instance, Durham Smythe later in the game caught an 18 yard pass up the sideline on one of those little it's not a wheel route, but it's kind of like off the motion, a wheel route up the sideline. And they were able to, uh, to get a couple of those looks in this game, snuck waddle into that kind of corner of part of the end zone off of a similar look here with, with Tua coming, rolling to that side of the formation. So just a good mix of run and pass, different formations, getting different guys involved, different guys touching the football, love the opening plan to that game, love getting the football to waddle. And just to kind of expand upon that takeaway and really make it about, you know, the entire season for this Dolphins team because the takeaways ultimately are about the game, but also about where the team is at that moment. And to just look back at this 2021 draft class with Waddle, with Javon Holland, who made another big impact in this game with his physicality and his hits and his range and his speed and his ability to close short distances from deep depth and just make all kinds of plays and get a, become a factor in the game, whether he's down in the box or playing in that high post in the safety position. Jalen Phillips, the other first round draft pick, didn't get credited for the sack that Christian Wilkins picks up, but he was a big part of that play that dumped Mac Jones and helped the Dolphins get off the field again on defense in a day where they were very good on that side of the field. So those first three draft picks, Liam Eichenberg, will break down the tape on the game tomorrow. 
on drive time, but I thought he opened the season pretty well in New England at left tackle and closes it pretty well against the Patriots at that left tackle position. Hunter Long was not active for this game, but you saw him throughout the course of the season. And then Robert Jones gets that start at the right tackle position as well. So some Dolphins rookies continue to come along here. That's kind of a convoluted addition of the first takeaway, but Jalen sets the record and sets the pace for a strong rookie class. I should say both Jalen's set records as Waddle has franchise records, also now the NFL record for most catches by a rookie in a single season, while Jalen Phillips has the all-time Dolphins rookie record for sacks in a season. Takeaway number two was how the Dolphins altered their, their game plan in this one, how they altered their defensive looks they show the young quarterback and just the preparation for your opponent. So that's kind of the, the key part of the takeaways, how the Dolphins put themselves in position to prepare for their specific opponent. And I'm talking mostly about the Xavier Howard pick six, where he just flat out basically, so that they had two receivers to his side of the field and he's the, the furthest wide out split corner on the number one, right? The number one's the furthest split next inside is two and, and three and so forth and so on. And he turns the number one down the field where a safety has to come over the top. And that's, that does create that Turkey hole they talk about in the cover two look where you have the behind the underneath corner underneath the over the top safety. And he turned that free and jumped inside on a little hookup route, a little snag route that Mac Jones tried to find on his very first pass of the game after a pair of running plays put the Patriots in third and short. And he does what Xavier Howard does, gets his hands on the football, winds up with his fifth pick, his second touchdown of the season. And I just love the way they had a feeling for how the Patriots wanted to play this kind of a similar style to Miami. You control the football, you control the clock, and that's how you wind up you know, letting your defense do what it does best and limit the amount of possessions they have on the field so that they're fresh. They can alternate their guys in there and get that pass rush going and eventually get takeaways when the offense becomes more one-dimensional. Well, the Dolphins read that, read kind of the, the keys for the Patriots this season and that third and short pass right there, jump right in front of that little hookup route that has been such a reliable chain mover for that offense. Not so fast on this one. And it quickly puts Miami out into a 14-point lead, which I thought was really really key in this game for them to just kind of salt the game away and not, not salt it away, but to, to be able to dictate the terms of the game based upon that and force the Patriots into a bit more of a one dimensional attack, which they had to do throughout the course of the second half and really into that first half as well. So the defensive performance, the preparation, the big play by your big playmaker in Xavier Howard, we mentioned earlier playing a lot of coverage on Mac Jones and just rushing four, but then there was like a third and 10 play where they had that zero pressure look where they're all playing off coverage right at the sticks. You want to try to throw a hookup. You want to try to throw a hitch. You want to try to throw a slant or a drag, whatever you want to try to throw we're going to rally up and tackle because that's what this defensive back's DNA says they're going to do. And with the pressure we're going to put on your quarterback, if you don't take that quick hitter, then we're probably going to put pressure on him, either get him down for a sack, get a loose ball, whatever the case may be. You just put the offense in, into a position where they don't have many options. You, you force them to play a certain way when you get into that. And so Miami's defense with the run defense helped them set that up early in this game with more Christian Wilkins with more Andrew Van Ginkle with some some Zach Sealer involvement in there, Emmanuel Ogba. I mean, so many guys, Landon Roberts, you're remiss if you don't mention him. So many guys contributing to the early down success to put them in position and make the big plays on those third downs. They wind up with two takeaways against a team who came into the game plus 10 in the turnover department, which was number five in the NFL coming into action on Sunday. So, it, I mean, it began with the pick six, but it just kind of kept going from there. Pick six, punt, touchdown, punt, punt, field goal, fumble was the Patriots' drive chart to help Miami 
get a 17-point lead at that point of the game. I also mentioned how I was concerned about how the Dolphins might fare on third down in this game. The Patriots wind up 5-for-10 after an 11-for-16 performance back in the opener, but they were one for their first five, and that's kind of that drive chart there where they were able to keep the Patriots' offense really to short drives, keep them from scoring points, and help the Dolphins' offense sustain their long drives, which was a really good complimentary brand of football for the Dolphins. So the defense, knowing your opponent and attacking accordingly, was takeaway number two. We got there eventually. Didn't really have the name for it there when we began the takeaway, but we got there. Takeaway number three, Robert Jones makes his first start. Now, I've been uh, kind of mentioning him on the podcast here throughout the course of the season from training camp. You know, we talked, I think it was, I think it was Emery Hunt did the podcast back yeah, it was Emery, my, my good buddy Emery. I, we have so many draft guests on. I can't remember who says what all the time. But Emery, we had him on to talk about UDFAs on the Dolphins roster and who he likes because he covers all kinds of wide scoping ranges of college football down at the FCS subdivisions. And, and he does a great job calling games and analyzing games. He's on CBS, all that fun stuff. And we'll have that type of content for you here in this offseason as well, getting plenty of good draft and offseason content guests for you guys here on Drive Time. But Emery on that podcast talked about Robert Jones, and when I asked him which undrafted rookie do you think this on this Dolphins roster has the best chance to stick around long-term, and he said, without hesitation, said Robert Jones. And so we talked about him as he kind of built through the training camp program, and you know he was third and fourth team and, and just kind of working his way, trying to get himself into a position. Then we talked about his play in the preseason. We kind of saw it grow each game before eventually I thought he played really well in the Bengals game, and he was kind of one of the stars of that game on the post-game podcast that week. And then we see him get inserted into the lineup early in the season for like three or four snaps, and I, I liked those snaps. Might have, been like, might have been one drive, like eight snaps. And then we've seen him get on the field on some heavy offensive line personnel where you bring six offensive linemen onto the field and we've been a big fan. I've been a big fan of his game there. And then he comes out in this one and I haven't seen the tape yet, but I remember some pretty good push off the right side where I was kind of focusing on 65 and 68 and they had some good combo blocks and some good some good work denting the edge and kind of creating some space off the outside there for some runs. You know, Duke had a nice 27-yard run to open up the first the, the third quarter for the Dolphins offense and I like what I saw from Robert Jones. I think the Dolphins were able to kind of mix their run game with different leads and pulls. You know, they, they have that, we talk about that dash pass to Durham Smythe. Dash pass, not pash. Dash, it's like when someone says horseradish. We have that little dash pass to Durham Smythe where he pulls across the formation and it simulates split zone where you have the tight end peeling across the grain of the potential running game and it can cause some, you know, some wandering eyes for linebackers, for lack of a better term. And they work off of that with with the throw with the passing game as well. But they pulled Durham Smythe around that split zone with you know the backside guard leading up too. So sometimes it was sometimes it was Robert Hunt, sometimes it was Austin Jackson, and then off the edge too with with the times that Jackson did pull to the right side, you'd see Robert Jones in there just kind of kind of pinning that thing in tight to the formation. And man, the offensive line creating all kinds of space on the ground for the Dolphins to rush for a buck 95 in this game. And they open up with six straight runs on the field goal drive that moved Miami kind of from the fringe of the field goal range, field goal range down to the red zone in that third quarter and just kept running it, just kept running it and having success. So good work by Robert Jones in his first career start. I thought Robert Hunt was good. And, you know, we've, we've been talking about him for weeks now, having a really strong second half of the season. And then Michael Dieter and Durham Smythe, I thought both had some good blocks as well as some nice work by Austin Jackson and Liam Eikenberg. You know, I, I think that when I when I plug the tape on this week, I think I'm going to see 
plays from all five of these guys and the tight ends in the running game, I think I'm going to really like what I see from most of their work throughout most of the game. But we'll find out when we watch the tape from the live broadcast or from the live press box view. Enjoy what I saw up front. Robert Jones at right tackle. I'm intrigued. I've been saying that all year. Number four, uh, welcome home. Now potential stay home for Duke Johnson. I mean, you know, we can't say if we know he'll be back, but he's earned an opportunity to be in that conversation, hasn't he? I mean, he starts that third quarter drive with the 27 yards rushing out wide. Then he has the one yard touchdown where it's basically just, hey, Duke, go win with your speed. And the way he can sustain contact, whether he's at full speed or working through the backfield and he hits the accelerator, the footwork too to, to put himself in position to explode off of those cuts where he's kind of pressing the hole and he kind of gets himself skinny behind a block and then the feet are still active and then he's out the backside or out the front side, wherever it may be. He really sets his blocks up well. And I like the way it pairs with the size of this Dolphins offensive line that guys, you know, we talked about Robert Hunt swallowing guys up in the running game. Robert Jones off the right side as well. Austin Jackson's had some of that this year and the rest of the crew up front, the way he can kind of set those blocks up and just give those big guys an extra inch of leverage or an extra inch of width and where their hand placement goes or the way they turn their butt to to create a lane and create a seal there for Duke Johnson. I think he pairs well with how they block this thing up for him. And he's really maximizing what's been there in the running game. And, you know, Miami ran for 250 in the game last year, week 15. They had 140 through three quarters this time around and wind up with a buck 95. And 25 of those carries for a buck 17 went to Duke Johnson. And then also Philip Lindsay, 11 for 40 on the ground. And Tua Tungavailoa had two big runs, a couple of first down conversions on third down, including the 23-yarder. He finishes 5 for 38 on the day for 7.6 yards per rush from your starting quarterback there. So the Dolphins get the running game going, and it goes heavily through Duke Johnson there, 25 for 117. And we mentioned the defense, and how about trying to play a complementary style of football? Four drives of 726, 658, 630, and 354 really helped Miami squeeze the air out of the ball in this game and play a time of possession game and get that victory and, and really salt it away there late. If you look at the final numbers in this game, Miami possessed the ball for 33 minutes and 36 seconds to New England's 26-24. You add a pick six in there, and then you get 50% conversion on third down, although it was one for six at one point or possibly two for six at one point below 40%. You do all that, you possess the football, you run the ball, you're going to be tough to beat. Let's come back with takeaway number five and a look ahead to what's next, but real quick, a short break. All right, back here with the Monday version, the recap edition of the Drive Time Podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield. We are presented by Auto Nation. And then the fifth takeaway from the Dolphins' 33-24 victory over the New England Patriots is their spirit and fight to go out and win this season finale I think it says a lot about this team with what was not at stake. I mean, we talk about it. I I mentioned off the top of the show the Week 18 finale on Sunday Night Football with the Raiders and Chargers and all the chaos and how much exhilaration there was in that game and kind of around the league today in certain games that had, you know, more seeding and playoff implications. The Dolphins game had that feel, and that was because the Dolphins brought that feel to the game. I mean, the Patriots were playing for something. They had a potential division title to go capture, and Miami lived up to it and got out to an early start, got the crowd involved, and it was a fun day at the ballpark. It was just a whole bunch of fun for the Dolphins to be out there on that field. And we you know, we played the clip last week with Gerald Alexander talking about 
how you only get 17 of these opportunities every single year. We never take that for granted. And then he tweeted about it on Sunday. I believe a great photo of him, Javon Holland and Brandon Jones with his arms both interlocked around the, either of their, their neck and shoulders and kind of giving them a, a pregame, let, let's go and you know I love you guys type of thing. That was a really cool tweet. I, I just thought it really embodied what Brian Flores, this coaching staff, and this entire organization's message was in this game was the let's go out there and get a victory. Let's go out there and play hard. And they did for 60 minutes. So that's the fifth takeaway. Those are the five takeaways. And that is the final time we'll give you takeaways until next uh, August. We'll do them for preseason after those games. But I want to go ahead and finish up with a few more points here as the... Well, we put a we put a bow on that game and a bow on the season here as far as the recap podcast are concerned. And if you were concerned about the Dolphins' first-round draft choice next year, it looks like we will not find out when that first pick will be as the 49ers pull off a late victory over the Los Angeles Rams and they find a way into the postseason. Had they lost, the Saints won their game, so they would have gone to the playoffs and the Niners would have been out, which means Miami would have picked inside the top 20. So if the Niners lose next week, that pick will be in that kind of 20 to 26 range, I believe, depending on how the rest of the games go. So you guys know how this drill goes. We did it with the Houston Texans pick for a couple years in a row. Now we do it here with the Niners in the playoffs. Texans in the playoffs two years ago. We'll be tracking their games to see where that pick winds up. But the Dolphins also, again, we talked about cap space, you know, a while back and how the Dolphins are in good position there with some flexibility to go out and make some moves or work on extending their own guys or signing some free, whatever the case may be, they've got the flexibility to make that happen with the draft capital as well. And just to kind of finish up this point, you know, I wanted to actually real quick, let's do this. Let's do this. 2022 opponents this year are also now set. And the Dolphins, of course, will host the Patriots, Bills, and Jets next year. They'll host the Browns and Steelers in the AFC North. They'll host the Houston Texans for finishing third in their respective divisions, the AFC East and South. They'll also host the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings. They'll go on the road to the Patriots, Bills, and Jets. The AFC North will be road games at the Ravens and Bengals. We'll also go on the road for the AFC West third place team, which is the Los Angeles Chargers. And then we'll play the Lions, the Bears from the NFC uh, North on on road games. And the 49ers, our NFC West opponent, and the additional 17th game will be also a road opponent for the Dolphins. So Patriots, Bills, Jets, Browns, Steelers, Texans, Packers, and Vikings at home on the road. Patriots, Bills, Jets. Ravens, Bengals, Chargers, Lions, Bears, 49ers. So when we get to that season, I want to finish up with my point here that with all the cap space and all the draft picks and all the flexibility to, if you want to go move capital for veterans, if you want to sign veterans, if you want to trade back and get more future capital, if you want to stick and pick where you're at and get rookies to make impacts from those spots, those are all on the table, right? But what I think draws the most improvement for every team year to year is your internal improvement. And I've talked about this so many times, and this was kind of something we we used therapeutically in the first half of the season to kind of get us through those tough podcasts after seven straight losses was measuring how players grow from their rookie season to their second season, or even in their rookie season, or sometimes their second to their third season. We talked about Christian Wilkins. He had a career year, four and a half sacks. He got another one in this game today. And he winds up with 80, high 80s tackles. I forget the exact number. Just coming on like a total beast after having a good start to his career, but nothing like he did this year in terms of production and play. I mean, he was fantastic. You know, we talked about Mike Gesicki's rookie season. He talked about it this week. Wasn't 
up to his standards. And then he, he's picked it up and had a much very productive two, three, and four years of his career. I mean, it's it's evident throughout the roster. It's evident throughout the National Football League. I point to one guy in, in Denver, Garrett Bowles, who I don't know if you guys ever follow the Broncos or just general discourse about football teams. People in Denver wanted Garrett Bowles gone through his first year, second year, even third year. And then he turned it on and kind of the light went on and he found what made him a first round draft pick and he got an extension. I mean, it's... Brian Flores mentions this all the time. Growth for a player, it's a case-by-case study. It could be immediate. It could take some time. It could never happen, but you don't give up on talent. And I think that with this Dolphins roster, whether guys have hit their peak of their development or they're still coming along or they haven't quite lived up to what they hoped, what the franchise franchise hoped they would show, that's up to the themselves and the coaching staff to get those guys going up for next year and to continue to build and progress and get better. And Brian Flores mentioned getting better every single day. And that's my whole point here is that your best improvement will come from internal improvement on your roster. And I like that. It's been a theory of mine for a long time. I'm not just saying this right now because I'm in this position. You heard that on Locked On Dolphins. And I like that theory right now because the Dolphins had so many draft picks in 2020 and 2021 that have made an impact and can continue to make bigger impacts and have other players as well in the 2019 class and veterans that can improve too. I like the position the Dolphins are in from that standpoint to continue to get better on their own roster, also while having the resources outside to make their roster better. That's my final note here on the offseason on this edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's going to do it for me. You all, please be sure to check out the post-game show segment here after the outro and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth and OJ. They are off this week, but they'll be bi-weekly during the offseason. Also, the YouTube channel. We have Dolphins today with myself and Joanna. I believe that's going to keep rolling this season. Also, our media availabilities are up there as well. And you can also check out MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline, Daddy is coming home. Postgame show coming your way next. Stay tuned. Welcome in to the fifth quarter postgame show on the Miami Dolphins radio network. The Fish Tank crew is here, Seth Levitt and OJ McDuffie. I am Travis Wingfield, the host of the Drive Time podcast on the Miami Dolphins podcast network. And guys, it's back-to-back winning seasons for the first time since I was a sophomore in high school, Juice 2003, first sweep man, over the Patriots. Man, stop that already, Travis. Stop all that noise, We man. have to start, start the show with, with age start age that talk. already, man. Damn. You guys, right into my intro, too. First sweep over the Pats since 2000. I was in junior high for that one. <laughs> Seth, Juice, I'm not in junior high anymore. I'll toast to that one, boys. One more show to go on the season, OJ, and we are finishing it up here with a victory. The Dolphins get to 9-8 and eight on this 2001 cheers, season. Cheers, bro. Cheers, cheers, cheers. Big Seth, we know you don't have to get down like this anyways, but hey, a win <laughs> is a win is a win, bro. <laughs> Let's get it in. He, he went straight for the uh, – what's the name of this one here? Oh, my God. The best sir. They're, they're he, unbelievable. He went straight for it. That's that's a warm a Un- warm beverage, and that is a large beverage. man. Down in Wynwood. You want to go down to Wynwood, man? <laughs> that's a Wynwood victory today, bro. That's a play on words, Seth. What do you think, man? What do you think of this, this, this way to finish out the season here with a – what was the final score? Did we kick a PAT there at the end? I was too busy nah, running I think they around. let it go. They just let it go. So they, they finished 33, 33 to 25. 
four is the four, final correct. juice. Let's let's go back to juice here, like we do every single Sunday here. Take away from the game, man. We, we get a, another victory here, eight and one to finish out this season. What do you think, man? Man, you know what? I just love the fact that you know the guys did not sit back last weekend feel sorry for themselves. You know what I mean? I, I think that's more important than anything. They did not feel sorry for themselves. They went out there and they played hard, man. Let's talk about the first drive. And then, of course, when the defense came in and gave him another little, you know, uh, little emphasis on, like, getting this lead. And then next thing you know, you know, we're sitting there with a 14-0 lead, and they went out there and played well, man. Offense went down there and played well. Defense answered. And next thing you know, we got a chance right there, bro. And that's, that's the way the game went down, man. So I love the fact that a team that had nothing, zero to play for, went out there and played their asses off. That was one of my big takeaways, too. I thought this was an important game for Miami just in terms of seeing how they would respond to being really out of contention for the first time, Seth, since 2019. I mean, every game the last two years has been a big one up until this one, unfortunately. But I liked this right here, Seth. Drives of 726, 658, 630, and then a drive that almost went four minutes. That's a good complementary style to this defense and. What did you think of that as far as how this game kind of played out here, Seth? Because we saw that the defense play another very strong game. The offense kind of complemented what they did. They come out with a victory in the end. But what did you think of the approach of this game for the Dolphins? Well, I love the approach. I, you know, I was texting you guys that first drive. I was like, well, where were these guys last week? I mean, this is really kind of the game plan we had hoped to see last week. But, you know what, last week is over, and you talk about not much to play for. Ultimately, Juice, every opportunity you get, and you know how fleeting it is to get opportunities to play in the NFL, and so every game matters regardless if there's playoffs in the line or not. We'd yeah. love to have the playoffs in the line, right? I mean, that would have been fantastic. That wasn't the case, but it doesn't mean you go out there and lay down, especially against a division rival. And, and you know, I love seeing it. Who doesn't like seeing the Patriots fans all upset in the stands? Who doesn't like seeing Bill Belichick pulling plays out of his sock and, you know, seeing <laughs> looking all flustered on the sidelines, everything? Uh, you know, who nobody wants them to come down here and go rolling into the playoffs. This is exactly the way you wanted to finish the season. Got a little nerve-wracking there late in the game. Yeah. It was a little bit closer than I would have liked but they finished with the W and all of the things that Travis just rolled out for you. Especially, Seth, when you're rolling around the concourse down here at, at Hard Rock Stadium, and there's a bunch of them out here, a bunch of them out here oh. drinking beers and having a good time. I'm, I'm glad they're going back to the parking lot. It's because everybody wants to be here. because everybody wants to be here. Travis, where are you from? Uh, I'm from here now, but I'm from the oh, northwest. Your ass is here now. That's exactly right. <laughs> Juice, we know you're from Cleveland, but you're here, and you stay here. All You can live anywhere in the country. You live here. Everybody wants to be here. It's a destination game. So, of course, I'm over that whole thing. Oh, all their fans come down here because they all wish they lived here, but they yeah. don't. But they come down here. But well, you know what's great? They got their vacation ruined because they sat in the rain, and they have to go home with a loss. <laughs> yes, they get to play next week. That's great. Good for yeah, them. Yeah, they do. But they today... Do. Today, and all I care about right now is today because it's the day in front of us. And as Coach Flores has taught us, we take it one day at a time and focus on what's in front of us. And they go home with the L. Yeah, they 1,000% go home with the L, man. And it's a, it's a beautiful L. But you're right, Seth. I mean, it's amazing. It was so – I hate it so much sometimes when you sit there and you listen to the game, you watch the game, and you see a play, and you don't know if it's for us or for them. There were so many Patriot fans in the stands today – but we answered every time, every bell. And when they were loud, we got louder, man. So our fans really, except for the ones that sold their damn seats, the, the ones that were here, <laughs> they showed up and they showed out, bro. And it was nice. It was a beautiful thing. 
Seth, you mentioned people wanting to be here. I mean, the, the weather, the people, the stadium down here, it's all pretty beautiful in South Florida, and we're celebrating back-to-back winning seasons for the first time since 2003. That's a pretty impressive mark there. Yeah. Hasn't been done since Dave Wants. That was the man in charge for the Miami Dolphins. But one point I Think wanted to put that. you guys Think here. Think about that. Don't rush through that yet, Travis. Think about how long it's been. I appreciate you slowing me down. I, I no, didn't want seriously. I, I mean, I didn't want to go back to the middle school comment, but that's where I was. I was in middle school, man. I mean, you don't have to do that part of it. Let's focus on the Dolphins, not necessarily where you were. The fact that you were in middle school, do it. Yeah, you know, golly. But he was in middle school, Juice. We were working for the team. He was in middle school. But my point is that you can't lose sight of the fact. Look, when Brian Flores was was hired, five year contract. Right? You start over. Every time you get a new coach, you're starting over. You have to build a game plan. I know this team after. He cut it out. The rebuild has failed, and the rebuild has failed, and all these other things. You know, it's not happening as quickly as we want it to be, but there's a good young core of players that this team is building off of. They've won back to back, they've had winning seasons back to back years. And hopefully that's something that you can take into 2022 and build upon. That good young core is a good mention there. We should yeah. get into this right off the top here, Juice, that Jalen Waddle now is the all-time leading receptions man. That I said that really, really <laughs> that right? awkwardly. Is that what it is? He has the most receptions yeah, but... by any rookie in National <laughs> Football League history, and he got it on the first series, which I thought was pretty cool, yeah. and he punctuated that with a touchdown catch in the corner of the end zone. I thought one of the Dolphins' best offensive plays of the entire day, but that's – that's three in a row versus the Patriots. Tua Tungavailoa is now 3-0 in his career, and I know he wasn't a big part of that offense in the second half of the game, but he certainly helped them get that lead early on. And that's kind of where I want to go here to close out this opening segment with you guys is the way this team plays with a lead compared to the way they play from behind. And I know every team in the National Football League, it's, it's easier to do that, to play with a lead, especially a two-score lead. But, man, Juice, when this team gets out in front like that a couple scores early, it seems like it's over. And I, I made this point last year that – there are so many games where teams come back and, and claw back and get into it at the very end, and the Patriots did that, and good for them. That's, that's kind of how they play. They're, they're going to play 60 minutes. Yeah. But this Dolphins team, when they get leads, they're almost unbeatable, man. Yeah, teams with great defenses, they're, they're, that's the best thing you can do for that team is when, you know, as an offense, don't mess it up. And for two, as a defense, you just want to give those, those guys an opportunity to pin their ears back, be able to play tighter coverage, you know what I mean? Go after quarterbacks and things like that because we, they know the opposing team is they're, they're fighting and scratching and clawing to make some points, you know, get some points involved. So, you know, one thing about us is we're not a team that usually gets out enough. In the first quarter, we don't get enough of that opportunity to go out there and get that lead. When we get that lead, like any other team that's really good, and we talk about some other teams in the league that play so well with the lead, i.e. like Tennessee, Guys like that, when you some teams like that, they're they're better positioned to play well with a lead because they're not built to come back. And so for us, you know, it's nice the fact that we are able to go out there and get a lead, a fourteen point lead right away. Obviously, it was huge for us because the rest of it, you know, we had to hold on and get our thing done. But the fact that the team went out there, offense went down there right away, got a score, defense gives a score right back, and then the next thing you know. Hey, the, you know, New England's playing catch-up the whole time. That's the best situation for anybody in, in the NFL right there. I, I agree, Juice. And you talk about being built to protect the lead. You know what good teams do to protect leads? They run the ball. They run the air out of the football. And today the Dolphins did that. I was like, what, what is going on? I mean, even Tua made his, some of his biggest plays of the entire game 
could argue the season with his legs. Yeah. So, you know, they ran the ball really well. And what more can we say about Duke Johnson, not oh just today, goodness. but since he got here? Unbelievable. Yeah, like, I mean, the entire league slept on this guy. Well, welcome home and stay home, Duke. That's yeah. kind of my message right yeah. now because that dude, the way the way he gets those outside runs and, and the way he can kind of press the hole and create sh- and bad angles for the defense, I want to talk about him more in a separate segment. That's a great point, Seth, because they rushed for a buck 95 in this game. That's a season high for the Dolphins. They had 181 against the Jets back in week 15, so the 195 surpasses that. They also had 250 against the Patriots last year in a game in December, so maybe they're finding out ways to beat this Patriots team. Like I mentioned, three straight victories over the New England Patriots. And, you know, the fast start to the game is, is kind of to your point you made earlier, Seth. We've got another minute or so here that the way they prepared this week after a massive letdown, and, and we, you know, we talked about this in our, our group chats and all that and the social media discord that we saw. And it's not just Dolphins fans. It's every fan base across the National Football League, guys, that has these really, really strong reactions to big wins and big losses. And the Dolphins fans had to be on the losing side of that last week. But for this team to come out, and they're not going to surround themselves with all the vitriol they see on, on social media. But to come out and kind of play to what I thought was a point Gerald Alexander made, Dolphins defensive backs coach, on the on his press conference this week, he said, man, we don't take these opportunities for granted. You get 17 of these year, it used to be 16, but you get 17 of these year, we're not going to take it for granted. We're going to come out here with one, one more opportunity to play together. And to come out and start that way, I thought, really showed that message. Yeah. Well, look, I know we got to go in a break, so I'll, I'll give you my whole philosophy in the next segment. Look at that, week 18, Seth figuring out when the breaks come into play. I love that. <laughs> he, likes to, he likes to run I, through the breaks. I <laughs> appreciate you on that. Like, so the I, final I, score, I, you know what, Danny, I like to hand off the ball. I don't like breaks. And then, he, and then he cuts into my outro, just like you guys cut into my intro to start the show. Huh? We're having fun here. It's the final show of the year. Again, the final score from Hard Rock Stadium. Dolphins win this one 33-24. to You're listening to the fifth quarter postgame show on the Miami Dolphins radio network, brought to you by the Palm Beaches.